0: I'm John Wertheim here is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Uh, this week, we were going to conscript our friend Chanda Rubin to talk about the 2021 Australian Open Draw. Uh, the good news is uh, Chanda kept up her end of the bargain and is here with us. The less good news is that there is no draw at this point. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, and as you likely know, there was a positive case of COVID in Melbourne, which in other places might not be a big deal. In Melbourne, it's a very big deal. This was... Uh, One of the guards at the hotel where the players were staying that were in quarantine. So the players are being tested as we speak. There is no play at the tune-up events for the Australian Open. The good news, it does look like there will be an Australian Open starting Monday, which is the bottom line, Uh, but there hasn't been a draw yet. Anyway, Chana is here. Uh, She is lovely. She is a colleague at Tennis Channel. She is a friend, and we talk about this tournament, absent a draw, but what we're expecting from what players... What this strange, strange season? Um, what the 14-day quarantine? What the hard quarantine? What the soft quarantine? What that all means for what we're about to see on the courts at Melbourne Park? This is always a bit of a hard event to handicap, in part because it comes so early on in the season. You're never quite sure how players spent this off-season. Players are usually fresh; that's a good thing. Some like the surface more than others, but this year, prognosticating is all the more difficult. Uh, so we talk about the favorites. There are a lot of them on the women's side. There is basically one on the men's side. That, of course, is Novak Djokovic, who, if he wins this event, will have nine Australian Open titles. That's more Australian Open titles than Roger Federer has Wimbledon titles. Um, but this is a, a good free-flowing conversation um, in advance of the 2021 Australian Open. Wish we had a draw, but we are happy that it looks like there will be tennis on Monday. Here, without further ado, from her hotel in L.A., where she's working for Tennis Channel, here's Chanda.
1: I was going to say, where, where do you even start on this? Because the tennis seems secondary. You're usually this day is all about checking out the draw and making predictions and who's got yeah. a road to the finals. And now it's like the draw ceremony got delayed and everyone's just talking about tests. How uh, how are you doing with all this?
2: I mean, it, it was shocking yesterday and, and – obviously for the players, I'm sure even more so the players and, and, you know, their teams and and everybody who's actually there uh, thinking that they were clear to be able to work. You spend, you know, two weeks in quarantine doing everything you need to do. And, you know, the the goal um, is to be able to get out and finally just freely work. And that's still kind of not the case. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gut check a little bit on it because, you know, at any point something could happen that could shut things down again. So I guess that for me would be the uncertainty. And I can't imagine for the players having to mentally, you know, adjust to these things and try to work through these things along with the physical side of it. So, I mean, it's been a tremendous effort.
1: And and we've actually been seeing some good tennis with all of this. I've been impressed with that. We have, haven't we? I mean, the, the level of play that we saw those first seventy-two hours—you wouldn't have said, "Oh, these people have been uh, coming out of fourteen days in a hotel room." No,
2: you would have just said, "Maybe you know, it's the first tournament of the year after the off season. Everybody is trying to kind of find their their rhythm." That's that would be perfectly normal. Um, but what we've seen tennis-wise, I think, you know, with the fourteen days that some of these players have had to do very strict 14 days for some of them. I think the type of tennis, the level of tennis we've seen has, has been impressive. You know, everybody, I think, is approaching it with the, a more positive attitude because you have to, and so I think that's helped.
1: That's a really, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I was going to say sort of what, what characteristics, who, who benefits from this? I mean, if, if we're working on the assumption this is just crazy times, no one's been through this, unprecedented. What kind of a player, what kind of a person benefits from this?
2: That's a, that's a good question. I think the player that is able to, again, we say that the positive attitude, a positive mental outlook, not sort of sit in the frustrations, because often you get out there on court and, you know, the things that are kind of deep down that you've been struggling with, that tends to come out under pressure and when you least expect it. And so I think that player that, is able to just deal with things as they come is a little bit better making adjustments you know looking on the bright side of things and just being more forgiving um, of themselves along with those that are competing and just getting down and accepting what is and are ready to ready to just dig and fight so it's it's maybe two sides of, of the same coin but I think that player has to have all of those things
1: let me, let me throw this one at you. An agent told me that he was, he was talking to his players and he said, one of the big benefits here is that it's Australia and it's, you know, everyone likes Australia and it's easy to get from the hotel to the courts and it's, it's fun and it's relaxed. And it's the first of the year. He said, if this were New York and people were dealing with all this quarantine stuff, but then also getting stuck in traffic, or if this was <laughs> Europe, he had yeah. small bathrooms in the hotel. I'm not sure that's the biggest, uh, flaw to Europe, but um, he seemed to think it was really relevant that this was Australia and this might not fly quite so well at other events. What do you think of that? I think that is true.
2: I think part of why players have always had, you know, probably the best feeling about Australia compared to, you know, the other three majors, it's because of that. It's because it's the beginning of the year. Everybody's a little you know, fresher, less jaded, looking forward to what can be, what the year can bring, and also just the environment. It's it's sunny, it's warm. You know, you have nice days. It's it's you know beautiful. Just being out and about, and that I think goes a long way towards players feeling great at at a tournament, at an event, um, in a city, and with them having to deal with all of these uncertainties. That part I think absolutely helps. The fact that they're in Australia in this climate, uh, in this environment that makes you feel good. Just when you walk out, when you're able to walk out of the room, able to walk out of the hotel.
1: Um, all right, let's let's start with the women. It's been uh, it's been a while since we had one of these majors, and I, I you know, I <laughs> has I was, it been that long? <laughs> uh, guess, right. It's actually you know that's a good point. It's been it's been less time before the last yeah. when we had Australia. That's a good point. But I was thinking that um, we have if you count Serena. We have four players in the women's draw that are riding an unbeaten streak at majors. So we have, we have Andreescu, who won 2019 U.S. Open. This is her first major back. We have yeah. Osaka, who, of course, won the U.S. Open and then didn't play. We've got our French Open champion, Svantec, and, and Serena's kind of hovering, having won a couple rounds in Paris and then um, not played. What, what uh, I, don't, I don't know, kind of big, big picture women's side, what do you say? You know,
2: we've – it has been a while since we've gone into a major and said, okay, these are the favorites. <laughs> these are the three players we're really looking at. I think it continues to be wide open. And, you know, that's part of, I think, the, the great part, the interesting part about the women's game right now. We, we keep talking about, you know, Serena only because, you know, sh- she has earned it. <laughs> and, you know, you consider players that have been the most consistent at the Grand Slam level, she's certainly one of those up there, along with uh, Naomi Osaka. Um, I think it, it, it always feels like it's not going to be the usual suspect mm-hmm. in Australia, although, you know, sometimes things just find their resting place, you know, maybe Halep steps up this year, she's, you know, looks good, she looks comfortable, confident, but there's so much that still has to take place over the next three days even. To really be able to say, okay, these are the favorites. Again, I think it's it's open. Anybody who is able to step out onto the court and, and is healthy, I think, has to feel like they have a good shot. I mean, there's no reason to not think that. And look back at Kenan winning last year. Um, you should definitely feel like you have a shot if if you're anywhere in that realm. You know, the top 16 to 20. You know, seeds. Uh, I think it's it's certainly wide open still. I mean, I hate to
1: give that answer again, but it's just oh, so true. Yeah. No, I mean, we, I think we were talking about it on the show, and we went through like eight names, and then we're like, wait, we haven't talked about the number one player in the world, and we haven't talked about the defending champion. There was a whole <laughs> discussion about you know, Savalenka and Serena yeah. and Mugu, and then we didn't even talk about the defending champion. Yeah. And, um, you're you're kind of uh, you know you are a a former player of of great acclaim but you're also kind of uh you're on the other side now how, how do we cover serena right now you know i think giving her her due i think giving her the
2: respect that she's earned you know to have 23 majors and singles alone and still be out here competing at this level you know the last major you having you know one of the last majors i should say um you know having gotten to the semifinals. You know, still just defying the odds. And you know, sometimes it, it takes a little more doing. You wonder if she can continue to sustain that level, you know, for seven matches. She hasn't quite done that. But you still you still gotta give her what she's earned. And and that's kind of as simply as I can as I can put it. Um, and I think when you see the players that go out against her. They respect her from that standpoint, you know, simply because she is always tough to, to get past. But with that being said, she's also star, a star maker. You know, these players are earning their chops. They're, you know, earning, you know, career moments because she's still out there playing and they have the ability to go up against her and show what they can do. And so I think it's positive all the way around.
1: But you gotta give, you've got to give Serena her due. I think that star making is really interesting because that's something, I mean, with, with all due respect to every other player in the field, they don't have to contend with that. I mean, every time Serena gets out there, the player on the other net side of the net from the first round on is thinking like this is potentially an, a career defining hour of my life that's about to come. Um, I'm not sure, you know, bless Simona Holop and Naomi Osaka. I'm not sure they have that pressure that, Serena does. Um, that's a good point you meant. Um, does she, uh, are we are we being too optimistic calling her a contender? I mean, where, where do you go? is Th- a big number at the same time, so is 23. Where, um, mm-hmm. could she win this thing realistically? I think she could. I, again,
2: she may not, but you cannot say she can't. Right. You cannot say it, it would be unrealistic to think she could win it. And if she were to win it, I don't think we would be that surprised. I mean, it would certainly be probably, you know, the biggest accomplishment with everything, you know, she's gone through with where she is in her career, with what's at stake, with, you know, all the pressure that continues to build every major that she doesn't win. Uh, and a lot of that is is self-imposed pressure that she puts on herself based on what she's trying to achieve. So I think this would, if she were to win this next major, it would probably, you know, for me be the most impressive um, at this stage. Uh, but so you can't say that she isn't a contender. I mean, she is absolutely a contender. I mean, I'll put it that way. She is absolutely a contender and still continues to be a contender. And you look at some of the score lines where she's still, running through opponents 15 years younger than she is pretty routinely. She's absolutely
1: a contender. I'm with you. I mean, I I feel like beyond that, this, this is a real opportunity. I mean, everybody is coming in a little bit frazzled and a little bit sideways. She's had some extra time. She had Adelaide. I I think, and I don't, I mean, she's really resist talking about this, but I, I think it's relevant that it's not, going to be in front of 25,000 people in New York with Beyonce and Jay-Z. I mean, I think it helps that it's a little bit away from, uh, from, from some of the attention, some of the pressure she gets in New York and even in Western Europe. Um, I, I always like it when pe- people say, it's been four years. I did a, a radio thing the other day. I said, it's been four years since she won a major. And you want to say, well, first of all, that's like 20% of her career. <laughs> <But> also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How often have we seen players have a four-year, you know, Mary Pierce, I mean, you can pick out, uh, Absolutely. it's not crazy that players have a four-year gap between winning majors, so. Um, no, and um, I, I, she's had a bit of a gap when she was, you know, in in the prime of her career, I you guess. know,
2: from winning majors, so again, I think all of those are valid arguments, but. You know, you kind of throw them out the window once you toss the balls up. And, yes, it's been four years since she's won a major. But how many finals in <laughs> that period? How many other players have gotten to, you know, four finals uh, in, in, you know, that similar period of time? Again, recently a semi that was very much a doable match for her. Uh, so, again, she may, she may not. But you cannot take her out of contention, and just the fact, I mean, I get this, especially just, you know, on social media, you get this a lot, just the fact that she's been out here so long, and some people are just tired of seeing her in the winner's circle. That is not a reason to not discuss her chances. That's not a reason to
1: not consider her a contender. My my sense of that is, those are really, that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty trolly position. Don't don't you think the, overwhelming majority of people think this would be the, the tennis story of the decade. And even, um, you know, I, it, just despite professional obligations to be neutral or sort of pulling for it, I mean, can you imagine a better story right now than 39-year-old mother winning 24th major? No. And it, it, a
2: story that would garner as much attention across the board, you know, across tennis and sport lines you know, this, it would be, it would be huge. And that is part of what she has brought to this sport. She has brought that type of global attention. She has allowed, you know, so many, including us, to be able to earn more money in this, in in tennis, you know, because so many eyes are on this sport, because it's so important to cover this sport. Uh, and, And she has a lot to do with that over, you know, the last decade or so. Yeah, so absolutely. It is a bit of a trolling position. Uh people who, who do think that, and, and that's how I take it. Um, the majority, you know, just just your your basic logic and
1: common sense,
2: you know, it, it's right there. You know, I'm she sure. has she's proven it.
1: <laughs> Wait, I got I got one for you. Um this is this is hearsay, but um I, I understand that um Hank Aaron in his final days was talking to, to our friend Howard Bryant, and one of the things he said is you think Serena's going to do it? You think Serena's got one more <laughs> to get that 24th? I think when, when Hank Aaron, with a limited amount of time left on this earth, is pondering Serena's chances, it says a lot about the impact of this. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's a longer conversation, but I, if, if your response to Serena is like, she's 39, it's time for someone else to get off stage on <laughs> Um, maybe, yeah, maybe. something's wrong with you. I, I would, I would say that. So you gotta uh, check, look inside. Exactly. <laughs> um, did you happen to catch that our French Open champion Iga Swiatek has switched rackets? That um, I I heard sort of the rumor. I did not actually
2: see it or or catch what she had switched to. That and that's a tough thing. I mean, I I get it because contracts and opportunity and money right. um, she was playing with the prince right. um and you know not much you're gonna get get from that um you know compared to what is uh, available but that is just a that's a tough tough decision I, i've been there okay. and well, i would yeah. i would say i i you know if i look back i, I don't know if i would have done it
1: again <laughs> yeah, i mean you you know you don't know when an offer like this is coming, you know. It's, it's, it's a big
2: opportunity from where you were. And, and this is your moment. You want to capitalize. I mean, it's part of what you work for um, on the other side of the winds. Uh, but I mean, your stick is, you know, that's everything. And, you know, the feel you have with it, the confidence you have with it, you know, you you just have to kind of start over when you pick up a new racket, unless it is like an aha moment, and you think, okay, this is a perfect racket I can switch to, which I don't think happens as often, uh, unless it's that
1: type of thing. So it that's a, That's a tough, uh, tough move. Um, let me ask you this: How much more pressure did you feel playing in New York versus other slams? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I felt a whole lot more.
2: I mean I guess you could say that I I, let me let me rephrase that because I I do remember there there were times there were years there were moments um I mean I remember playing the first match on Arthur Ashe Stadium that was some pressure (laughs) I didn't win um but at that time I was you know going through some struggles post-injury my first kind of major injury with my wrist and you know I had come back but it just wasn't feeling great and then to be in thrust into that moment which I felt, you know, tremendous responsibility and, and also, um, you know, it was an honor and, and I wanted to, to play well. I wanted to represent, I wanted to win the match. And so that, yeah, that additional pressure from a situation like that, I absolutely felt. Um, and, and there were other years and other moments where that came into play because it's a home slam. You want to do well. There's so much energy. There's so much going on. I think I enjoyed the energy of night sessions in New York, but at the same time, it was a lot. And personality-wise, it wasn't necessarily what I was seeking. So yeah, I think it, it probably came into play, maybe more than I might have even acknowledged at times.
1: Um, so the, the top seed on the women's side, this is her home major, I think, I think was, it been like 40, 43 years, 44 years?
0: Has it been that long?
1: Uh, it's been a while since an Australian woman, the, the late seventies. Um, how do you think that impacts Barty in particular?
2: You know, I, I think that she's grown into her space, grown into, you know, who she is and, and who she sees herself as as a champion. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's the most comfortable you know for her and you know similar to an american player at the us open who is a is a real contender or who has all of you know eyes on on them you know it, it's it's not easy for someone to embrace if they have a personality where they're just a team player they have a personality where you know they they just go about their business without a lot of fanfare and i think that's that's ash barty but you know, she stepped up in, in big moments, that I think will, will help her. And, and again, maybe that team mentality, you know, if you're embracing it and just acknowledging that's what you need, that's, you know, where you get your mojo, maybe that can help her uh, in, in this type of situation in her home country where there's so much more, so many more eyes, so much more attention on
1: her. But I think it's tough for, for someone with her personality. Um, is it is it lame to ask you to pick a winner? We're we're doing this without a draw, and we're doing. I this. know that's the only thing. Okay. It's I would love to have a draw,
2: <laughs> and then be able to, you know, maybe you know, not look as much like as much of an ass if I oh. <laughs> try to pick a winner. <laughs> yeah, come on. But um, you know, interesting. You know, I I, I kind of lean for some reason towards Osaka only because. You know, I think she's been stepping up so much, even when she's not maybe been at her best. She's shown the ability to work into into a tournament. In the U.S. Open, early rounds, didn't necessarily look like she was gonna win, uh, per se. You wondered physically if she would hold up, and, and she just showed a lot there. I think, you know, this would be a good time for her. You know, she didn't have a great U.S. Open, a great Australian Open last year, and so sometimes just kind of that reset for a player. Um, so I'm kind of leaning towards her if I had to pick a winner, just off, kind of off the cuff here. But I, I'd love to see a draw and just kind of get a sense for how these quarters could shape up because that makes a difference
1: as well. Um, I like that. that. That would be my pick too. You know, the last player. I, just, I mean, we should timestamp this. It's Thursday, Thursday morning, very early Friday morning, Australian time. The last player to beat Naomi Osaka outright was in a fed cup qualifier and i th- i think it was like tor sarah Torabis storm i mean it's this was really this was like ah. almost a year ago but you're right i mean ah. osaka lost to Coco last year as the defending champion yeah. um and then since the reset she's been lights out so um and and I, you know obviously her profiles changed and um i, I feel like we're Unfortunately, I feel like the the seven masks is sort of becoming Justine Hennin and her mom at the French Open and Novak mm. in the swimming pool. It's I think it's kind of been it's been sort of co-opted as as cheap and easy narrative. But I think it's something that um, is really quite quite meaning and quite tellingful. Quite quite meaningful and quite telling. And uh, I I hope people t- take a step back and don't just repeat it reflexively as if it's just another yeah. of bio.
2: I mean, it it was amazing. And again, I mean, you know, like what you're saying, it's easy to say, you know, oh, I mean, you know, she's speaking out and finding her voice. She had the seven masks and like, you know, and and great. And she won. Great. You know, so that makes that means so many more people were you know, going to see and take note of of what she was doing. But it's even more than that. I mean, you think about the mindset that it took. At the beginning before this tournament started you know a major at we talked about you know the pressure that can, players can feel in New York and, and with that type of, of what's at stake although you didn't have the crowds it was a totally different situation mm-hmm. but you think about what it what it took for her to decide to make that kind of statement when players are kind of trying to take that off of themselves, especially at the beginning of a tournament, you know, Mm -hmm. see where you are, work your way in. Um, And she decided to take all of that on from the beginning. Uh, and, And you can say, okay, well, maybe she didn't really, you know, wasn't worried as much about winning or whatever. Clearly that wasn't the case either. You know, I mean, she made a statement and she and and she did it under the the toughest of circumstances when everything is not in your control you've got players on the other side of the court getting through these tough matches we had the probably the best you know final two days of of a major in terms of the tennis we saw i mean it, you know she brought it on every level and decided at the beginning of the tournament that she was going to add this this component that was so critical and important and And, I mean, it was amazing to me, you know that she was able to to play the kind of tennis she did under those circumstances when a lot of players, you know in in tough moments during those matches could have folded or would have folded. It would have just been too much um for them to handle. i mean, it was it was incredibly impressive, and you know I certainly don't think enough um, uh, enough is being thought of
1: that exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like this has kind of been co-opted a little bit It's you know. Rafa's uncle switched him from righty to lefty. And, yeah. you know, you, you have, she's from Louisiana and her father's a judge. We have these sort of cut and paste for players. And I feel like the the weight of what she did has been a little bit uh, sort of glossed over and elided. Um, and people haven't really stopped to think and contextualize that. But that, to me, is one of the more meaningful moments in tennis since I've been covering the sport. Um, yeah, loved and, it. Yeah. Um. Let's let's do men real quick. It's if if I give you uh, if I give you Novak and I take the 127 other players in the field. Uh, are, you, are you happy with that exchange?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I would I would be okay with that. <laughs> you you him up for everyone. I, I I could make that work. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> I mean he's he's been you know, he's just been incredible between the lines, you know, when it's time to toss the balls up and, and, you know, when those big matches are at hand, he just seems to have everything in place. And, and, you know, he's another one that you kind of wonder with everything that's going on, can he mentally continue, you know, to, to produce uh, in, in those big moments, but he just seems to have that ability to compartmentalize the belief, maybe you call it arrogance in himself, but the belief is real. And there's no reason to suggest that it's not gonna, that it's not gonna continue, certainly against the field.
1: Did you, uh, we'll get back to the field. Let's talk about you, did, did you have that? Could, could you divorce the tennis from what's going on in your life?
2: You know, it wasn't, I don't think it was as easy for me. You know, so for me, it was always important to have, you know, things clear and in the place I needed them to be in off court, and you know, I felt like that was a way for my tennis to to fully, you know, just be the the tale, uh, and just be the the story, and and to uh, get the most from from my tennis. Now, with that being said, you can't always do that. I mean, you're always kind of dealing with things, especially in tennis, because you're for players who are coming up at a young age. You know, you're going through all of the the life changes and figuring yourself out and, you know, going through, you know, how do you make more decisions, take more control? You know, you got your parents who are trying to figure out this transition and and it's all kind of under a microscope to a certain degree um, because you are already, you know, playing a sport in a field where you're one of the best in the world. Everybody's kind of looking at you like you're already there as an adult. That's not always the case. So I think, yeah, it's it's. It was tough it was probably tougher for me at times but you know that's the challenge it's it's kind of the beauty of the sport and unfortunately from from my perspective now unfortunately I say you know it's it's too bad that you have some of your biggest moments and opportunities in tennis when you're too young to fully understand and appreciate and and even understand yourself all the way so uh, but that's that's the nature of it and um, more power to players that are able to play later now, that are able to extend their careers, because certainly there's some value there. You know that a, a player who's you know younger
1: does not have. Everybody wins with these longer. Wait, let me ask you another personal question. As long as, long as we're talking about you, um, we're, we're uh, we never have a script here, but this is, you know, <laughs> you and I, you and I've worked together, and we have a lot of fun, and it's it's like a very nice, you know, we we've got a real nice team, and you have. Um, you know, you fit right in, and I'm, we we talk sometimes about the um, the narcissism and the the self-centeredness that a tennis player has to have. It's like an occupational requirement. And they're, you know, I mean, honestly, they're they're former players who struggle not being the center of everything once they're done. Mm-hmm. For, um, you know, some of them might might, might even be uh, in TV or at least were in TV. I mean, you know, I, it's not it's not everyone that that you know. And, and Jim and Lindsay are obviously in the in the same boat. Where do you suppose you got the ease to work so well with others after uh, a career in such an intensely individual sport? Where'd you get that?
2: I mean, that's, I hadn't really thought of it so much in those terms. I feel like I've always worked well with others. Um, you know, even when you consider, you know, coaching relationships and, you know, all of those Um you know, those types of relationships as you, you come up in tennis, I always felt like I had a more balanced and measured approach to it. I mean, I wasn't going to be a player that's, okay, this is happening. It's the coach's fault. You're done. You're fired. You're, you know, I'm always thinking, okay, what can I do? Where, where can I make my improvements? Okay. Let me look at it as clearly as I can. Is this, you know, an issue here or, you know, so I've always felt like I had that that um you know, kind of mindset and, and approach to working with others and to working, you know, with people. And I think it's just translated to television and, and to the broadcast side. And I've been able certainly to grow into it. And I've gotten better just with, you know, what, how I try to approach this side of of the game. And so I think that's, that's helped too. And, you know, it, with this stuff and, and the broadcast side coming from the court, you know, again, there's no there are no classes. There are no kind of books, right? You, you kind of just have to learn it on the fly. And so a lot of that requires you know looking and watching and and learning, figuring out, okay, what you like about this or what you don't like, what fits into you know what is authentic for you. and And so that's where I am, the space I'm in. So I think that quality is coming out even more. you know and and it's a constant thought for me of just finding what is my authentic voice. Based on what's going on, my opinions, you know, mixed into that, um, and and that part's been fun, you know, to, uh,
1: you know, kind of uncover. Good, good answer. But I, but no, I mean, don't take it for granted. I mean, I think a lot of people, come coming from tennis, where it's everything's got to be about you, and it's your court time, and yeah. it's you out there alone. Um, I don't 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 take for granted how well you work with others. Um, all right, you, you've got to go to work, and I've got to uh, pack. Wait, sh- short answer, real quick. All right, so um, if we, I, I call them the medium four: S- Sitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev, and Team. Mm-hmm. One major among them. Short answer: which, which is the most likely to uh, win the next major? Mm. I
2: mean, I guess you gotta say Team. I, I honestly, I don't. I'd like to say Sitsipas. <laughs> I'd like to see him maybe step up. I don't think he's maybe quite there. Right. Um, seven matches with, you know, all the guys playing now. Um, so I, I think you'd have to say team, but it's been tough. It's been tough going for these young guys to break in. You've got to, You've had to not have them in
1: the draw, <laughs> in the tournament. We're, before. Uh, we're, we're line <laughs> no, I mean, not, not a lot of oxygen those other three guys have left. <laughs> Wait, why do you say, uh, say pass? G- game, I mean, personality, or Greece? What's the appeal?
2: Well, I think, I think his game. I think the personality as well. I, I think all of it. And I, I enjoy watching, you know, from the ground, but his willingness to transition and, you know, the little bit of flair that he brings to it. I think he, he would be great for the game. I think uh, it would signal a real growth uh, in terms of where he's been kind of close to. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think for those reasons, it'd be nice to see
1: him come up and, and maybe grab one. All right. Good answer. Um, all right. If, uh, if, if one end of the spectrum is, uh, I love Nick Curios, He's so fresh and different and says what's on his mind. And the other end of the spectrum is he's, you know, he's like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, why are we giving this guy oxygen? Uh, why are we giving this uh, junior representative oxygen? If that's the continuum, where, where are you on Curious? I'm in the middle. I, I'm, I'm in the middle. And
2: sometimes I lean towards the, uh, not giving oxygen, <laughs> but I think, um, I think he's a, he's a good personality for the sport. I think, you know, for, he's such a fantastic player. I mean, you know, enjoy watching him when he's at his best and somewhat plugged in just the sheer shot making and variety um, and, and racket talent. Uh, that he possesses so I think he's great for the game from that standpoint we don't see enough of that consistently and sometimes there's too much oxygen given to the other side
1: but I'm in the middle good answer, good answer. um I just I just wish like pick, pick the spots a little more a little better um yeah no I, mean, I don't know that he's
2: able I think it's just yeah. what he feels It's it's just where he is at that moment sometimes it's not consistent Right. I think that's the other part. But, um, you
1: know, hopefully no, I mean, I he continues like he, to mature. I, you know, he's he's been great. Honestly, he's been the most responsible athlete. Never mind tennis. But I mean, he's been great on COVID. He's been great. I mean, the sort of social justice. He was very moving on Kobe. And then he says, like, I like video games more than tennis. Tennis is boring. I wish I were better at a better. And he's like, dude, what? they're they're trying to stage a tournament in your home country you haven't I mean you've played a match in almost a year like why why Mm -hmm. would you do that um but good good answer by you all right last um you got a sleeper You, you like Djokovic to Djokovic versus the field to win number nine any anyone caught your eye watching all that tennis saying man keep an eye on this guy
2: no not yet um and I haven't watched as many of the men as the women in these, right. these early, um, you know, these handful of days. So, so yeah, I mean, apart from Djokovic, I mean, uh, you know, Zverev, I have to say was impressive. Um, you know, the, the first match he played in the ATP cup and, and just how, how plugged in he stayed from start to finish and what was a tough tough match against Shapovalov he could have if he had gone away just a little bit that would have been a completely different uh different outcome so he's he was impressive to me and certainly has the goods can you know has the ability you know to step up so I'd
1: keep an eye on him for sure all right that does it for me it is always a pleasure next time we're going to do this with a draw how about that yes look at Matt thought we'd have a draw we have one yeah all right um (laughs) Always
2: a pleasure, my friend. It With is. Me. It was it lovely. Is. I always enjoy it. The time goes by so
1: fast. Exactly. Um, We're talking. I've got to get to work. And uh, yes, we'll see you soon. I might see you. Okay. On, I might see you on the air tonight. So uh, I uh, hope so. We'll I hope so. But see right. you soon. Thanks, friend. Take care. Okay. Bye.
0: All right. Thanks to Chandler Rubin, our guest this week, uh, previewing the twenty twenty one Australian Open from the Good Soldiering Department. Tennis Channel has you covered. We'll have pregame at 10 a.m. local, which is 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'm guessing most people are going to watch a big football game for the first night. But uh, after that, Tennis Channel has you covered. Um, Other tennis news. Well, there is a lot of it in Melbourne. It is very fluid. Um, Unfortunately, today news came that Tony Trabert passed away at age 90, Hall of Famer, former player. He won three of the four majors in in 1955, one of the great seasons in men's tennis history. He also was a promoter, a Davis Cup captain, uh, broadcaster, and, and a general force of good. Best uh, best wishes to his family. This is this is sad news for tennis. Uh, other tennis news: It looks like Wimbledon will go on as planned at the scheduled date, but will not take place in front of a full complement of fans. That's uh, you know not not surprising news. There, um, Indian Wells still. Tries to find a date on the calendar. They had proposed, I was told, the 41st and 42nd week of the year uh, to both tours, and neither of them essentially took the bait. Uh, The commitments to China will stay. Of course, all this presupposes there will be sports in China in the fall. If not, I suspect uh, both tours will come running to Indian Wells. Um, Otherwise, the draw is going to happen for the Australian Open in a few hours, so we will have seed reports on SI.com. And we will have coverage from Tennis Channel. Uh, We will be doing this out of L.A. We did not go as a team to Melbourne, but uh, we will be doing coverage uh, digitally at SI.com as well. So keep coming back. We'll try to uh, send links on Twitter as well. Um, Anyway, thanks to Chanda. She's one of the uh, the good folks in this sport. It's always good fun working with her. Thanks, as always, to Jamie for her behind-the-scenes work on this podcast. Subscribe, leave a review, iTunes, Stitcher. Recent guests have included... Renee Richards and Robbie Coding, two very different conversations, but uh, both of them entertaining. And um, leave your guest suggestions. Keep them coming. We'll try to do a few of these uh, from L.A. to talk about the 2021 Australian Open. Enjoy the tennis. It is our first major of the year. And it seems like uh, it's been a while since we've had top tier tennis. So enjoy the tennis, everyone. Have a good week. We'll do it again in a few days. Take care.